We have one of the nicest coming out of Dallas joining me here on the show here tonight. Just dropped his brand new EP, Midnight Rambler, available on all platforms. Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Live 365, Hi Heart Radio. Jason Lyric is in the building. Jason, how's it going? How's it going, man? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Appreciate you having me, man. Of course. How you feeling about the feedback with this new EP and everything you've been getting as far as from the fans? Yeah, so far it's it's love. It's love. Um, I just wanted to put out, you know what I mean, a piece of what I was working on in the near future as far as 2023. And um, this was like a sampler and, and people are receiving it well. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I just I just hope it resonates with everybody that came across it. It's definitely resonating. I think you really set the standard for this with Homecoming because this music visual, you could tell that you had a blast with it. I did. I did. Um, man, so South Oak Cliff High School is the school we uh, collab with to shoot it or whatnot. I wasn't an alumni, but my pops was, my brother was, uh, and it was pretty much up the street from the school I went to, Roosevelt. And uh, it just felt right to 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 do it at a high school from my neighborhood, which is South Oak Cliff. Uh, we was able to give back to the kids as well. They won um, state in football last year. So it's just a lot built around that high school and it was just perfect. Uh, the kids enjoyed it. Um, I kicked it with the, the kids, we, we fed them, et cetera, et cetera. And man, I'm just happy to give back and show them like a different light and you know, somebody that came from that neighborhood and made it and is considered successful. And it's important that you're giving back to people from your neighborhood and going back to these landmarks, especially your father being from that school. And then you've opened up for Nipsey Hustle in the past and you see Takeoff, unfortunately, being killed in, in Houston the other day, unfortunately. So how do you stay grounded and just keep going during these times, being a hip hop artist and during these times? Right, man, I just, all, you know, I'm always careful how I move, you know, et cetera. I, I don't take nothing, none of this for granted. You know, I make sure I keep a solid group of people around me. Um, and, you know, I just make sure I put out the energy I want to receive. And so I think that's, that's a, uh, a lot we need to work on in hip hop. And not saying takeoff was on any type of negative time. Yeah. Speaking for myself, uh, I try to put out positive energy because I, I know it's power in the tongue and it's power in putting out negative energy. Um, and even with Nipsey, man, that was one of the guys I looked up to as far as, you know, somebody that was moving uh, independent so long and, and literally built his brick by brick. And I felt like he was one of the guys that pioneered a lot as far as like being able to like reach certain levels without a machine. Um, so, man, it's just sad to see. I hope, you know, through all the dev devastation, like this is a wake up call also for just hip hop culture in general. Um, so we can like, you know, protect our rappers at all costs. Yeah. And it, it's scary to think about it. Once takeoff goes down, it's anyone can really be touched, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you, and you really look at it because I was looking at a list earlier where you see PNB Rock, Pop Smoke. These are big names. And it's just like, it's unbelievable how many are unfortunately being killed. And I know that you usually separate your events from certain things in which you have album releases as well. That's another way that you kind of prepare for, you know, you don't want things to go wrong. Right. I, you know, in-house. Okay. 
I just trust my instinct, man. When it when it's when my spirit is telling me it's time to move around, it's time to move around. I try not to put myself in like, you know, bad environments or just environments that that have tension and you know what I'm saying, things like that. And I actually met P PNB Rock, man, like years ago. Real cool cat. We exchanged numbers, et cetera. So I feel like that that could have been me. When when Nipsey died, I, I feel like that could have been me. And so, you know, it just makes me more cautious and aware of of how I move. It's scary when you really look at it. And I know it's occur encouraging a lot of artists to come out and say that they're done rapping. I'm sure you saw the designer viral video going around saying that he's quitting rapping. And I, I think there's a certain force out there, especially when you look at the media and what they promote, that this only happens to hip-hop artists. I mean, artists have been getting gunned down in all genres. You look at John Lennon. It, from back in the day uh, right. there's this narrative that oh well it's just hip-hop well i don't think that hip-hop artists should quit i think they should keep going because this, sure. is, this is your art and passion you know you can't let things just stop you from doing what you're doing right and i think it just it's bigger than hip-hop you know it, it's really it's really within my culture in, in general uh and just you know like i say in the song we we um we must we must unteach self-hate, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of that is just envy, hate, uh, you know, hurt people, hurt people, as they say. Uh, so I think it's bigger than just just rappers. I feel like that could have been anybody that got killed. Uh, you know, there I was in Houston the day before um, at um, a few clubs, Shay, I mean, Clay, and then then Onyx. So, you know, I wasn't too far from, from some of that. You know, I got guys that was there at that bowling alley and, you know, and they telling me their perspective. So it's just, like you say, anybody could, could be in a crossfire of that. Um, so outside of just believing in God and staying prayed up, you just got to move militant for sure. I relate to, so to the school shootings that go, are going on right now, because when you see the press conferences from the police officers, I don't think they're going to do much. I mean, right, right. you can't really rely on them. When we look at it, we always say that we're, the hip hop community is going to come together. Do you really think they're going to come together right now, especially after takeoff? Because we said this after Pop Smoke, we said right, this right. after Young Dolph. Are we going to come together or just going to be a rinse, recycle, and repeat? I think eventually we will, but it, it's going to take time because it's going to have to happen as a collective. But it's not even just the artists themselves. It's the it's the it's the people like that's encouraging this content or like supporting it, um, you know, like it always is kind of laughable when, you know, people encourage all this type of content. And then when it happens, they shock. It's like, well, he, he said he was going to do this, yeah. do that. He said he was around this, that. So, you know what I mean? I'm the type of person I live by my rap. So if I rap it, it's real. You know what I mean? That, that's just my real life. Um, so I think people just got to be be careful. I believe you are what you consume. And you know what I'm saying? So I'm even careful with my daughter as, as you know, the music I let her hear in the car. If I hear too much, I'm like, okay, that's enough for the day. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like candy, you know, it, it tastes good, but is it really good for you? You know what I mean? So, you know, that stuff leads to cancer, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know what I mean? So again, you are what you consume. You just got to be careful. You know what I mean? 
Exactly. But you move in the right way, especially with your record self-love, because this was the record that really set the standards for you and people reaching out to you and showing support. Megan Good, Jasmine Sullivan and Lala Anthony. Were you surprised by any of these names? Uh, yeah, no. You know what I mean? Um, I, it takes a lot for me to get excited. And I knew what the record was. Um, man, I've been making these type of motivational records my whole career. But this is one of the ones that broke through. So for me, I'm just on my same track, you know what I'm saying? But I am happy to see that it's expanding because I feel like a lot of people resonated with self-love coming out of the pandemic. Uh, it really opened up my eyes to how many people are really dealing with, with not being able to love themselves or not knowing how. Uh, so that's the crazy thing about it. Just seeing women on my YouTube, you help me get out of an abusive relationship or, you know what I'm saying? You help me over a death and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, was I shocked a little bit, but I, I, I knew the song was so great that it was going to fulfill its purpose and make it make its rounds. When you really look at it in the end, is self-love more important than other people's validation? Of course, for sure. I feel, you know, if, if you believe in yourself, if you love yourself, no matter what anyone tells you, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, they can call you ugly, fat. Man, I feel like the men that get the most women are the most confident, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whether big or in shape, you know, it's, but they love themselves. And um, I feel like people can see that on you. They can sense that on you. And and then, you know, man, self-love is the way to go. And I, I feel like it resonates with women and men. I agree. I, I want to get into your backstory because you come from a musical background with your parents as organists in the ch different churches right. and your mother actually bought you your first rhyme book. What rhyme book was this? Man, it was just like a little notepad and it, it was, I remember it had like red fur around it. Uh, maybe she got it from Walmart or something. I don't know, like a little bookstore. Uh, but I remember it was, it was pocket size. I wish I still had it because man, that's a collector's item. Um, but she just knew that I was I was big on writing songs. I used to walk around the house just like freestyling. And man, one of my first supporters and still supports me to this day. So that's somebody that believed. And I can't say I would be this far if I didn't have her support or somebody that, you know, what I mean, kind of stood there next to me through all my, my struggles. You know, what I mean, more than anybody. What was it that was just such a amazing factor in which your mother saw your dream actually come to fruition? Was it out of performance? Was it your distribution deal with Warner? What was it? Um, as in like, how did she, when did she see? Like yeah, when did she see it finally come to fruition in which she knew that it was going to happen? Man, that might be a question for her, but I will say of recent, uh, like, I guess when my other family members from different states is telling her about it. You know what I'm saying? And they looking at me like I'm the one that made it out. Uh, we was at a, a funeral uh, in Nebraska and they walking up to me. Let me sign, uh, can get a signature nephew and you know what I'm saying? And all this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, my auntie, my siblings, I think when it really got back to her that, that man, people across the world are really listening to it. But again, she believed in me from day one. So she might've th thought I was big 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> I just like the belief she had in me. You mentioned Nebraska. You actually went out there for a year because your mother's from Nebraska. So how is it out there being 
in Nebraska? Because people don't bring Nebraska up a lot. And how's the hip hop scene out there, especially that you were out there for a year? Right, man. When you think of Nebraska, what you think of the college football team, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Uh, a lot of cornfields on the way there. You know, uh, Nebraska was cool. I think it helped with um, how I look at the world, you know what I mean? Because it was so diverse there. It was a lot of uh, mixed couples. Um, they also had hoods and slums. And I'm thinking, that's just where I come from. But no, they they, they got hoods just like the next state and the next city. So I was actually in Omaha. And man, it's probably the blackest city in Nebraska. So it just helped me see like, you know, different perspectives. They thought I was country as hell, you know. I thought that, <laughs> and then they kind of have like a Midwest, um, like slang accent about them. So it's just, just cool to see like life from a different angle. You know what I mean? Uh, will I go back? No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't much to see, but man, the people is is very family oriented there for sure. Coming from Dallas. You know, but people really don't talk about the artists from there as much as they do. Houston's usually the bright spot. You know, Beyonce, we look at the historic acts that come out of there. Who's the artist that you look up most to from Dallas? You have the DOC, Yellow Beezy. You have some mm. legends from there. That's a good question. Man, I say I grew up on, on DSR. Mm. Um, the Big Tucks, the Tom Toms. Um, and when I was coming up, Young Nation was 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 smoking hot, you know what I mean? Um, and so those some of the guys, I was like, oh, they really doing it. Um, it's another group, another group. Uh, I can't think of their name, forgive me, but uh, I know it was Slim Gravy and, and Paris P. Um, and, you know, I used to watch their videos back in 2010. And I'm like, okay, they not doing traditional street rap or what's hot. They doing their own thing. The videos is unique. So just a few people, I was like, okay, it could be possible for me to to break through this this tough Dallas market that uh nobody really makes it past southern region. Um, so yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to them. And with relation to your story growing up, because you were someone that was quiet in school. So how did you unleash the beast per se, in which you were able to be comfortable in pursuing your music career and, and showing your voice that you had a talent? Being a quiet kid. Right, right. No, it's real. I appreciate you doing your research, man. It's always love. Yeah. Um, I think when I got in front of a mic, you know what I mean? It was just like I turned it on. I seen Kobe do an interview one time. Um, and you know, they were saying off the court, you're a family man. He he didn't really kick it with a lot of people. But when he got on the court, you know, shit talker, you know. He would, you know, he would he would dominate like and you, he was just a whole nother guy. So I feel like for me, um, I don't know, maybe I just go into my alternate ego uh, and I just turn into like, I don't know, like, you know, it's like Bruce Wayne and Batman or something. Uh, but I feel like they both are the same people. It's just, you know, I reserve my energy to turn it on when it's that time because uh, I'm super competitive to be so quiet and and chill and reserve, I, I got a super hunger for what I'll do. And you know what I mean? I really want to reach the highest of highest and, and be great at what I what, what at rap. 
And you've continued to do that to this day with the brick by brick mixtapes and, and which it started out as a mixtape series, but then eventually it became more mainstream as an album. And you look at that now, who would have thought mixtapes would be mainstream? Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, you know, I grew up in the era with that piff, a lot of mixtapes. Spinrilla. Yeah, you know, Spinrilla. And people rapping over other people's instrumentals and and. To this day, my era still rap some of them songs in the club. Like it was like their songs, like Lil Wayne, I think he jumped on Mike Jones beat. Uh, I can't think of the song, uh, but they played in the club to this day. That's just how crazy that era was. Um, and so really I just had to change with the times because, you know, streaming sites came about uh, the DSPs and shoot, I wanted to make money, you feel me? So. Why am I giving this away for free when I can, you know, monetize it? Um, so I think Lyric Show was the first project I put on DSPs. And I had to go back and add the bricks. And, you know, because people weren't even going to these apps anymore to listen to the songs. So I had people hit me up. Hey, add Brick One to, to Apple Music. And I'm like, I don't really want to because it's not an album, but I got you. I got to feed the, the fans. And so it's just about, you know, changing with the times. I had to adjust. That's the main thing, too. And you, you definitely changed with the time, especially with the pandemic. I know there was a time where you kind of just took a pause on music during that time. Right. I did. Um, man, I, I love the pandemic. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a to myself person. I don't mind, you know what I mean? Being looking at my four walls and, and just being in my thoughts or just enjoying my time with my daughter and watching every Denzel movie I can think of. Like, I enjoyed that. So for me, it was a break because I, I've been consistently doing music for so long. And, you know, as as the attention span drops and, you know, people want you to drop music every week, month. And I'm like, man, I still got to, like, you know, work these records or y'all still haven't adjusted this in my mind. Um, so I just took time in the pandemic to chill for a second. Then it was so much going on, protests. Uh, man, Dallas had like a big snowstorm where all the electricity was out. Oh, that's like, right. You, you lost power, I heard. Yeah. So it was just, it was a lot, man. Rap was the last thing on my mind. Yeah. And I feel like with everybody, uh, it, it helped people sit down. And I hear they say, you know, this is the most businesses, small businesses has ever been as far as like startups and so many people was trademarking their business names, et cetera. So I think everybody kind of just needs that time to sit down. Rest in peace to everybody, you know, that lost their lives during that time for sure, um, because we're still dealing with, dealing with COVID, et cetera. But uh, I know for me, it, it was a time of reflection. And I know a lot of people use it as a time of reflection during that time. We're still dealing with it. I know everyone's trying to because it's such it's we've been going on with it for so long now. People have been pretending it doesn't exist. It's still out there. I happen to just go on Google every couple of days. Not not too too much, but I'll see if the cases they're still out there. The deaths are still growing. It's still going on. So people can try to pretend all they want. It's still happening. Right. I guess the best we can do is is just live our life, you know. Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> Does it it's inevitable at this point, like just expect to get sick. But I feel like um, I've gotten sick maybe once or twice since my original uh, COVID, you know what I mean? Uh, but it hasn't been as bad, you know what I mean? 
it just might be like a sore throat or something. And maybe it's not COVID, but everything COVID in my mind, you know what I mean? You got to treat it that way today. Exactly. Uh, you do, but N-House, Penthouse Production, tell me yeah. about starting this team that you have. Man, so um, my whole thing was cutting out the middleman when I first got started. You know what I mean? I, I was trying to do everything myself. I still try, but, you know what I mean? I do a better job at delegating tasks now. Um, so that's what it was for me as far as, uh, I didn't want to become a, a puppet or, you know, somebody cutting in on, on my, my baby, as my mom used to tell me, she, she always tell me nobody going to treat, treat it like, treat your baby like you will. Um, so it started out as a production team and like just my homies, it was people I can trust. I can, cause most of in-house has nothing to even do with music. They just like my brothers, it's like a brotherhood. Um, and we all, I consider us like bricks and we come together and we build a house. Um, but also to the music standpoint, um, I used to try to get as many producers under my belt, uh, as I could. And not just for myself, I wanted to create a hub in Dallas where, where artists from other towns and cities could come and like find a sound because I feel like Dallas don't really have one sound just because we're a melting pot. We, we're a gumbo pot here. It's, it's people from all over that come and move to Dallas. And that's the same thing, you know, as far as the producers. I got guys that's good with crazy 808s, guys that like real musicians, um, neo soul, guys that can make house music. Uh, so that was the initial idea. Uh, my, the first maybe 10 producers I, I was bringing in, um, they all kind of didn't work out because it's bigger than talent, right? It's who really wants it, who has to drive the work ethic, who wants to really understand the business of it. Cause it's not just, we're not just doing it for ourselves and making music for ourselves. We want to like become, you know, business with it. Um, so now I got a solid group of guys, um, uh, from October to K Gray, BZ, even guys that technically don't rep in-house, but they're still like considered house. They know they're affiliated. Like Miggy, uh, Donnie Domino, Darkside, uh, so many. I know they're probably watching. I'm going to leave them out. But uh, it's just a solid community group of producers, man. And the goal is to show the world that Dallas has the best producers. Um, so, And then I eventually turned into a record label uh, so I can sign myself. So um, that's where we're at now. So it's, it's In-House Republic. And underneath that is in-house, penthouse productions and stuff like that. So you're no longer with the distribution with Warner Music and Asylum Records. That was just, that happened just with the the single? No, no, I still, I still have the distribution. You're still with them? Okay, yeah, because when you said that you're independent, it's curious how everything's getting worked out now because once you sign your major deal, some people don't stay independent, they stay. But that's smart, though, that you have your own label under the label and with the distribution. So I'm still independent. So, yeah. Uh, Asylum just distributes it for me through Warner. So I'm still an independent artist. Um, and I, I know people don't really understand that. So like- yes, even It gets tricky sometimes, yeah. Peace Young Dolph, you know, he was still independent, but he distributed through uh, 300, I believe, or Empire, my bad. Yeah. Um, and man, I think that's the best way to go because I still have creative control of everything I do. Um, you know, they suggest a lot and bring a lot of ideas and they um you know it's up for me to say yay or nay and um 
you know, they really, it's levels to distribution deals. So like bottom tier, you don't really get like label services. I think it's different ones have different uh, tiers, right? But I'm on a tier where I, I get the label services. So whether it be like playlisting, PR, uh, just just more opportunities and things of that nature. And I think, you know, if somebody wants to stay independent, it's okay to go look for a distribution deal for sure. Uh, but distro kid is cool if you want to do it that way. But um, you'll know when you get to 11 in your career where you, you can only do so much by yourselves and you have to bring like a bigger partner in. So it's, it's really a partnership. In doing my research about you, because you wish that you can go back to college, what is it in, in analyzing other people's careers from other walks of life that you've noticed in which you think that it could benefit you going to college? Because I have my own theory about it. I think it, it can be anything that involves government. You know, it, it could be a waste. You know, I, I get that. I went to college. I built my show out of there. But looking back on it, some classes were a waste of time. But what is it that you think that it could benefit your career? Right. So I never went to college because uh, it's just one thing my parents full time. I um, feel like if I would have went, I would have built that network of 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 uh, just built that network with, with kids and, and colleges because a lot of my homies, they pledge or whatnot and we go to their homecomings and they famous. <laughs> you know, like that's they. I'm a I'm an outcast in those in those uh like circles. But you know, it was they went to school with lawyers, uh, you know, CEOs of different companies. And just imagine if that network was was added to the network I have already. Um, and then I feel like even my music it touches a a, a college audience. Um, so right now we're working on trying to get on some college tours. Or do our own, uh, but but the main thing was, I wish I would have had that that network of people that I could have touched. I know your first job. I heard that you worked at McDonald's. So for all the people that are out there right now that are working the regular nine to fives, what right. would you say to them? Because you were able to take follow your dream and you're achieving it right now. So what would you say to the people that are currently trying to look for a way out and they're in a deep depression state in their nine to five, thinking, "Am I going to make it?" What would you say to them? And what what are some signs that this is going to happen for them. Right. Nothing wrong with a, with a nine to five. No. Nothing wrong with five. But make sure you go in with a plan. Make sure you go in with goals. Um, set a time, a date, you know, how long you plan to be there, how much money you plan to save. Um, don't get stuck in in that job. And, you know, because people can get comfortable. Yeah. You know, and forget like what they're really there for, you know, the dream, the dreams they're chasing. So I would just say go in with a plan, man, and make sure you're working that job so you can work towards your dreams. For That's sure. an important message right there. Midnight Rambler. I, I We got to get into this title because I know the meeting when you look it up says that it's it's tunnel vision. So what's the significance behind Midnight Rambler? Because I also, because you being from Dallas, there's uh, actually a bar name or club bar or club name Midnight Rambler in Dallas. So tell me what was the, the meaning behind this title for the new EP. Right. So when I choose titles and 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 project titles or whatnot, I have to receive so many signs that tell me, okay, this is it. Um and one one was I was I was really working on Out of Body Experience 2, which was my last EP. Um, so sonically it kind of like, 
you know, you can hear like the relation. But um, man, one of my homies had invited me to Midnight Rambler. One of the places that we used to go before I did the distribution deal. And so when I got there, it's like one of my, my close friends who I started rapping with, he's a successful barber. Uh, my other guy, he's uh, he's he's in a high position at Ralph Lauren. Um, another guy works for himself. He literally do stocks and bonds every day, you know, and, and he can he can make 10K a day. Uh, but I just felt like it was a full circle moment. And we all like kind of reached certain levels of success that we used to just talk about when we used to go to the Midnight Rambler, which is a cocktail bar inside the Jewel Hotel downtown. Um, so that and then. Uh, I got an alias. I call myself Cashmere Don. And it's also where I, I you know, it's, 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 it's the alias where I, I cater to women more. Uh, so if you ever go to the Midnight Rambler, it's, it's a nice place to take a woman, a date, whether it's a sneaky link or, you know, it's, it's your wife. Um, so I was just like, man, I want to continue to cater to the women because self-love is doing what it's doing. Um, and I also feel like I'm growing up as a man, becoming uh, more mature in a lot of places in life. Uh, so Midnight Ramblers just made sense. On top of it being an exclusive cocktail bar that not a lot of people know about, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's that's me. Like I'm a gem in the city, I'm exclusive, I'm rare, uh, of taste, um, you know what I'm saying? So it's just so many signs, it was like, man, this is it. I was talking to, Jay Taylor, who's, who's a creative director of mine, and we were just kind of going back and forth on ideals. And she just was like, what do you want to be in, in life? And I was like, a Don. And, you know, Midnight Rambler gives that feel. So just bouncing ideas, and it was like, yeah, well, that's it. That's that's what we need to do. And so we went in there. We did a photo shoot for the album cover. That, that cover is actually inside the Midnight Rambler. Um, we kind of gorilla shot it, uh, but it was... It was perfect, man. It was perfect. Couldn't have been no, no, like better put together. Uh, so, man, Midnight Rambler. And maybe I brought them business. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, you probably did. And, and that, that's just amazing hearing how the, the album came together. As far as the, the production, because I know you, you used to be real hands-on with the production on your album. So how hands-on were you with the production on Midnight Rambler? Um. Not as much as these other guys, man. Like, I found a, a, a cold group of producers in the last four or five years, and they, you know, they, I I don't even want to mess up anything at this. <laughs> um, but I will tell them, hey, let's extend this beat. Let's uh, let's speed up the tempo on this. Let's let's make this more eight oh eight driven. Um, let's 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 screw this sample. You know, that's the type of production I do now. Um, but shout out to Donnie Domino because he produced heavy on this one. I think he got like three or four, four tracks. And we were still trying to find the sound and he just pulled out some samples um, and it just felt right. He did Hard Eyes, which is the intro. He did um, da -da 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 How Could I? He did Gas Lit. Uh, so for me, that set the tone for the project and everything else was kind of built around it. Um, and shout out to October. He's also my engineer. He mixes and master. He did Table for Two with Sir Tim. Shout out K. Gray, who produced Self Love. He uh, collabed on Donnie with Heart Eyes. So again, I'm using the same producers. You know what I'm saying? We just continue to, to hopefully evolve the sound. And you know, I want to keep it in-house.
it, when we look at it and we see it now, just everything that you've been able to achieve this far, and you used to play the drums when you were younger. Have you thought about incorporating any live music into your any of your work? Right. Uh, so I usually perform with bands, but again, uh, these drummers I be I be playing with <laughs> out the park. You know what I mean? I might do it one day just to look cool. Uh, but but not nah, as as dope you say that because I have definitely thought about it on some Anderson Pack, you know, type deal where he performs live, plays the drums and raps and sing all at the same time, um, and really just show my musicianship. Who did you learn most from as far as opening up for different acts? ASAP Ferg was one. Currency, I already mentioned Nipsey Hussle. Who did you learn the most from? Probably, I would say all of them, but if I had to choose one, maybe Nipsey, like just the way he moved, the way he, his team was with him, the way they was branded, they all wore uh, the all-in merchandise. Uh, he wasn't letting nobody on stage when it was his time. Um, man, he just owned the stage when he got up there. You know what I'm saying? It was something special. It was something special. Did he share a few words with you? Man, it was so tight niche. I didn't even get to like. Oh man! I let him, yeah. yeah. And so I hate, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. But um, I learned so much just from watching, and that should say enough. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. But what do you have on the way that we didn't talk about yet? What do you have on the way? Because I know you're already preparing for 2023. You already mentioned that this is that Midnight Rambler is already setting up the theme here for what you got planned next. Man, I'm ready to step on everybody next, man. I just it's like um I'm ready to put it all together. You know what I'm saying? From from the out of body experience where it's like it was R and B, from Midnight Rambler being a sample to the next album, from my older catalog to where it was more like I, I did a lot of harmonizing, a lot of soul samples, uh, to the brick by bricks, which are more like mixtape lyric. I'm ready to just kind of put all that in one project. Um, and I feel like I'm at the the stage and I have the platform to do that now. You know what I'm saying? People are actually waiting for me to drop and waiting for my next move. Um, outside of that, man, we're trying to get on these these tours. So we're hollering at booking agencies because uh, I don't do a lot of shows because for the most part, most of them be like paid gigs. But I really want to show that side of artistry with me. You know what I'm saying? That I can, I'm a performer as well. I feel like that's, that's a lost art. Um, and just, man, um, be able to compete on the highest level. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm becoming somewhat of a household name. Um, I go to Atlanta, man, they singing the self-love word for word. But most of these people don't even know what I look like. So just putting a face to the work. Uh, um, I think the real groundwork starts, you know, now and will continue into 2023. Absolutely. And, you know, you've become such a great MC, and you understand the legends that have come before and you're, you're becoming, you know, a, a legend in the making right now, especially what you're putting forth in your career. You've name dropped because you brought up R&B before you do a lot, of, especially with self-love and the, the R&B acts that you work with. But you name dropped Keith Sweat on one of your records. I think that would be something that you love to eventually have come into fruition. Yeah, not for sure. And also, people don't know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer first. So, like, you know. I write a lot of the R&B records. I wrote Self Love, you know. Um, uh, I want to work with Beyonce and write records for her. You know, one of my favorite records is is One Plus One. 
uh, I feel like I could have wrote that. I know the dream wrote it, but I feel like I could have wrote that. So um, that's another thing I really want to tap into is just being able to write for other artists. And, you know, I have all these ideas, but, you know, maybe I'm not the one to hit the high note for it. So, you know what I'm saying? I just want to uh, tap into that. And whether it's Key Sweat, shoot, I mentioned LL Cool J, whoever, you know what I mean? I just want to show that I'm a writer's writer. And, you know what I'm saying? Hip hop is the only genre. I can I can write for a big Denzel fan. Have you thought about pursuing anything in the acting world at all? Man, yeah, <laughs> I already think I can pull a Denzel now. But uh, yeah, now nah, I feel like I want to tap into everything. You know, I'm I'm I don't have tattoos and everything, so I you know I'm a clean cut guy. I think I should get some of these some of these roles where you know they just need great representation. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I want to tap into that as well. Um, uh, should I model, you know, if, if I need to, you know what I mean? But, um, uh, and I, I'll do my inner Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> what, what role from Denzel? Is it Alonzo from Training Day? Ooh. Man, um, Safe House. Uh, it just, nobody dies like Denzel, you know what <laughs> I mean? It just, it, it looks so real. Uh, I was watching Man on Fire the other day and he was like, uh, Everybody's a professional. What was a professional? What is that? You know what I mean? So it's just, I don't know. I think everything Denzel does, he kills. Uh, and I just like how he approaches work, for sure. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the greatest. You know what I'm saying? He's selective about the roles he chooses. Yeah, he's one of the greatest, one of the best to ever do. Top five actors all time, in my opinion. And man, Jason, is there anything else you would love to let your fans know who are tuned in or will tune in later? Yeah, I mean... Really just continue to, to to word of mouth, spread the word, tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, we just getting started. I want people to understand that. Um, it's it's going to be a journey, but it's going to be a beautiful one. And, I, you know, I just hope people are able to see all the work I put in and understand that I got a lot of work to do to, to get where I'm going. Um, so, yeah, just love for everybody that's streaming Midnight Rambler. Continue to stream it. Um, and, yeah, just stay tuned, man. Stay tuned. And Jason, thank you for coming on the show tonight, man. I appreciate it. They can follow you on Instagram, Twitter at Jason Lyric. Make sure you go check out Midnight Rambler, a new EP. Thank you to your management for setting us up. You're always welcome on the show anytime you want to come on, man. Love, man. Thank you for having me again. Of course, man. Anytime. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care and stay safe. All right. You too, my guy. Yeah. Peace out, man. For real.